Welcome to We the Women. This is our celebration of the 19th Amendment. Exactly 100 years ago, on August 18, 1920, the 19th Amendment was ratified, giving women the right to vote. To celebrate, we'll be talking to women from around South Carolina, thought leaders, movers and shakers. We'll ask them about how they have used their voice and what they have done to contribute to our great democracy. Enjoy the conversation. In this episode, Post and Courier City of Charleston reporter Michaela Porter interviews Sandy Tecklenburg, First Lady of Charleston. So I have Sandy Tecklenburg here, uh, Mayor John Tecklenburg's uh, wife here talking with us um, about uh, 100 years uh, since women's right to vote was passed um, and want to talk to you about how you're feeling about it being 100 years <sighs> this historic milestone was reached. August, the, what is the date? It's coming up, August 18th. 18th. Wow, it's, um, it's kind of hard to wrap your head around it. Women have only been able to vote for 100 years, hasn't it? It doesn't seem, to me, it just it seems crazy. I don't know. It's just, I think it's great. I mean, do we still have work to do? Absolutely. And the voting right issues, I think, you know, are a legend, no matter what side of the fence you're on, John Lewis just died and, you know, he spent his life fighting for voting rights. And I think there was a bill still pending that for Latinos, Native Americans, and African Americans um, of how disenfranchised they still are at voting. So, For women, I mean, what are some, some strides that have been made, do you think? Well, um, letting us vote. <laughs> You know, um, I think that the along with voting rights and trying to get the Equal Rights Amendment passed, um, which I'm not way up on it, but I know that Virginia became the 38th state. I was kind of hoping South Carolina would. I know Charleston kind of passed an ordinance just supporting it, but the state has to do it. So I was hoping that South Carolina would be the 38th state to ratify it, but I think it was Virginia this year. And so, and that just states on the books, you know, not based on sex or gender or anything, you have equal rights. And so I think, you know, we're still fighting for that in 2020, um, women are. I think there's a ruling, the Supreme Court needs to rule on it. They have the 38 states, and I'm not up on an entirely, but um, just a little bit. But I think that, um, I think there's an overall feel in our country that women bring a lot to the table. Um, that where before we brought a lot to the kitchen. What, um, I, I guess locally here, um, as far as women, uh, role in politics, where do you see women fitting in in politics here? Well, you know, when we got elected, <sighs> um, you know, we ran our campaign for 18 months before we got elected. And so I was with John every day. I sold my business to, to run with him. I feel like it's, um, it, was a, it was just something we did together. Um, he was my bookkeeper at my business, so I really didn't wanna you know, do that without anybody else because he knew how to just call and say, hey, we're not spending anything this month. You know, we're... So you know, I sold my business and worked hard with him every day for 18 months. So we became a partner in this. And, you know, um, it, it was great. And then he got elected and um, like, welcome to the city. You know, um, 
we came behind a long-term mayor of a long time that his wife really wasn't involved. She didn't want to be. I love her to death. She's a good friend of mine. That was just the role she played. You know, I get it. She, um, I get it every day. I get it more and more. But um, she had two young children at the time, and I just really get it. It just wasn't her thing. So I was different. You know, I was just different. I remember going to my very first city council meeting, and one of the members came up to me and said, hey, we got this. You can go home. You know, and... Uh, How did you feel hearing that? You know, I was like, wow. And I looked around, and at the time, we had one woman on council out of 12. And, you know, we had met some... Um, we, I went with John to mayor school when he got elected at Harvard. It was really cool. It was a week of intense getting to know the role of a mayor and also what to expect, things you wouldn't even think about. Um, like what? Well, like the mayor, um, the mayor of Baltimore at the time was a woman, and um, she told us once, she said, this may sound silly to you, and at the time it really didn't. It just stuck with me. She said, you know, be careful when you get your coffee. Be sure it's a local coffee house. Because if you don't, no one thinks you support local business. And so, you know, just that was a little thing from a woman's perspective. You know, she was, um, she was very careful about where she shopped or outside her county or outside her city. And, you know, um, just their critiqueness of it. But um, it made me feel like, wow, um, it didn't make me feel welcome, but it didn't matter. You know, I think it was just um, an old school mentality way of thinking that, um, hey, we got this. You know, um, and what I was going to say about mayor school was there are many um, women mayors across this country and there's their, their council is so diverse that, I mean, many of them, I would always say at each conference I went to, I would say, how many women do you have on your council? And they would say four, five, six, you know, I mean, very diverse. And um, so I would, I hope to see more spaces. It's not anything about bashing men. It's just, I think women bring a lot of compassion to the table. Uh, I think women bring a, a different sense of urgency. I think women bring a sense of, um, I think it's just kind of cool when we can be at the table and think with men, you know, it's, it's important. And um, it's been proven, I think that, I mean, Congress, look, I mean, we had a big sweep. I mean, there's lots more women and diversity in our Congress today than I think there's ever been. So I would love to see a close halfness on our city council here in our city. We did just pick up one. Right. We have two now. So we got a little ways to go. Mm-hmm. You know, it'd be nice to have five, six, Maybe. you know, women kind of half and half. I'd love to see a Latino on it one day. You know, we have, um, we need, um, we, you know, it's just, I'd love to see a, a vast group of diversity on our council. Can you tell me a little bit about, you know, now that we're, it feels like a oh, ways away from the campaign, like what that was like for you being in the thick of a, of an election campaign? The first time, um, it was, um, it was fast. It was action. 
It was um, slipping behind a building and changing clothes, <laughs> sometimes changing in the car. You know, um, I think three of the most challenging things were eating um, our clothes and um, eating our clothes and just um, being away from home, you know, just being away from home. We took about a year off to figure out if we should do this or not and really think about it and pray about it. And we spent some times in the woods and, you know, it's just, um, we felt like we should. And, you know, we were the underdog in the race the first time. So that felt good to me though, because we had never run for office and it just, you know, I, I think in the, um, spiritual universe connection, the underdog is good sometimes, you know, it's just, makes it more fun. It makes it more fun. There's no expectations. You know, we just knew we wanted to win and we felt like we should. We felt like we were called to do this. And um, it was, um, it was, it was, a. and you know, it's obviously we started out 18 months because we had a mayor for so long here, you know, and um, you know, it started out, the question was, what do we do without Joe Riley around? I mean, most people here had only known one mayor, you know, unless you were much older. And, um, you know, it was a, a profound um, effect on our campaign when the Emanuel tragedy happened because for John, what came next was not what comes next after Joe Riley, but what comes after Emanuel Nine. So it just, he had a complete different focus on our community and how we heal and how we solve racial inequalities and stuff we're still working on today. The Intertech Group and the Zucker family are proud to celebrate the 100th anniversary of the 19th Amendment. And that's something I understand that you're very passionate about and also working uh, with free entry programs as well. Yeah. Can you share a little bit about that? Yeah. Gosh, about 15 years ago, we got connected with Delancey Street Foundation out of San Francisco. Um, and they are ran by, um, there's a woman still at charge. She's in her 80s now, and her name is Mimi Silbert. And she was a criminal psychologist. And she discovered that in her practice that um, she needed to do more for people coming out of prison. Like housing was tough. Nobody wanted to rent to you. Um, it, it was crazy. So she built and she went out and on a $100,000 unsecured loan, bought this triangle of a building in San Francisco, not a building, but just a lot. And all the residents, she started taking people and all the residents built this like three-story gorgeous place where she's lived for 45 years. And um, it's called Delancey Street and you, you get a chance, you get a second chance at life there. We teach jobs. Their motto is each one teach one. And so we have one, our location here is on the Navy base. We have three houses. We house about 55 men. And not everybody makes it. Our rules are really tough. Um, If you mess up, you can get some chores and do chores and kind of say I'm sorry and work your way back through it. Some people don't want to go back to the bottom. She has has a zero tolerance for um, mistakes. You know, I mean, they make them, yes, but you can correct them. But the ones that don't want to correct them, and it breaks your heart sometimes, but she's been there. She's got eight locations around the country, and they're amazing. They're amazing. They do a big Christmas tree business every year, which sustains all their business. So we have a moving company. 
locally anywhere in South Carolina. The other locations do at transit. They have big tractor trailer loads and all, but we just do local. We probably have four or five trucks and we're super busy doing that. So all the money goes back into the program. And then I got involved with turning, I mean, Fresh Start and Turning Leaf. We're really lucky. We have three really strong, um, and Turning Leaf is very different. They, I was on the board with them for a while. They um, take our, our hardest criminals, and it's changing your mindset. And um, her program is wildly successful. And then Fresh Start is another residential live-in component. It's different than Delancey Street because Delancey Street, you don't work outside the program. At Fresh Start, Fresh Start has been working with you inside the prisons for a while. And sometimes people are in prison for very long, so they can go through the program many, many times and become leaders in the prison. Mm -hmm. So they live with us on the outside and immediately get work somewhere. And we have a whole group of people who hire ex-offenders here. It's, we've worked on that for years, and it's really nice. The city, I think the county is doing it now. Um, lots of our landscapers are great with it. Um, and, and we also, in both of our reentry programs where we live in, we also encourage entrepreneurship. You know, you're a great mechanic. Let's, you know, especially Delancey Street. We encourage that a lot. Um, so, you know, that's one reason we, we have businesses, like we have a landscaping company. We used to have a catering company, but we don't do that anymore. Um, we have this moving company, which has taken over a lot of our resources because it's been so popular. But, you know, when you graduate the program, you can stay there as long as you're contributing. I mean, we have guys that say six and seven years, and then all the, all the everybody that runs Delancey Street houses, the eight locations, and the staff have all been at the bottom. She raises people up. And it's a nice concept. They feel good about themselves, and their places are beautiful. They're not like run-down houses that they have to live in. They're beautiful, and most of them they have restored and built themselves. So it does something for their soul, you know. And I really believe that um, we serve a God and a universe that kind of recycles, and we need to recycle too when people are willing to recycle. How did you get involved? It's a beautiful program. You know, um, actually, John and myself got involved um, through Fritz Hollings with Delancey Street. And um, Fritz called John one day and said, um, we need to have one of these here. And Fritz was pretty instrumental with um, another foundation on bringing them to, to South Carolina. It, they are amazing. They're amazing. They're a huge extended family of ours. And... Um, they're just amazing men that are so grateful. I used to say to people, sometimes they didn't like it, but if you've ever gotten a rescue dog, rescue dogs are like the best dogs in the world. They're so thankful for that second chance. Well, that's how our guys are <laughs> at Delancey Street and Fresh Start. They're so grateful and so thankful for a second chance at life. Yeah, it's amazing. What did you do in your roles there? And are, are you still... With um, I still work just on a volunteer basis with um, Delancey Street. You know, they don't, um, they operate a little different. They don't have a lot of volunteerism there. I was just kind of like um, the den mom for a while, you know, um, maybe um, when we got our, our Christmas, we have a location at Citadel Mall and Park Circle for our Christmas trees. And, um, and then they make stuff all year, year long sometimes for the kids to give away, and the men have been learning that. And our other locations were co-ed. 
we're men and women, and I would love for this location to be men and women. But when we interview women in prison, we have a place in North Carolina. We have to send them if there's room. But I would love to have we do it never it kind of changes the whole dynamics of the family life unit when you do have co-eds so it just she never Mimi just it never worked here for some reason we never even tried it. I don't know if our places weren't designed or our houses you know weren't but it's sad because I think we do need a place for women here that come out of prison that need to live and and as you know real estate here is it's hard you know, yeah, and it's beautiful. I'll, I'll be happy to take you out there one day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're amazing. Um, Why? Well, I, I mean, that's a a group of people um, that people mm-hmm. might be intimidated to work with. What mm-hmm. What made you decide? Mm. Ah, well, what I started first with Delancey Street, but then I kind of wanted to work in the prisons. So that's how I got involved. I invited the leader of Fresh Start who is Tim Terry, who lives here as an amazing man. If you ever want a good human interest story, it's all about him. But um, I invited him to a kind of our opening house of our main headquarters when we opened it. And um, he came and I got to meet him and hear his story a little bit. And I worked with them in the Allendale prison for a while and um, just teaching courses and teaching these men. And I would just meet men who were... um, it's not frightening at all. I mean, you don't go and lock down security in the prisons. You you know, it's a very safe environment. And um, a lot of our prisons, especially here in South Carolina, they've been stripped of programs. I can't even now, I'm sure, with COVID, nobody's going in. So they are hungry. They're hungry to read. They're hungry to learn. Um, you know, I just, like I said, I don't know. My heart, I got a place in my heart for... Um, I just think they need a chance at recycling themselves. You know, their family has has a long time been broken and gone. And, you know, some of them in our homes do get reunited with their families. It's not a lot, but sometimes they do. Are their children? We really work on that. And letter writing to their families. You believe the, the men and women sometimes in prison that just can't even write a letter. You know, they just need help with it. You know, just simple little things, which I met a man in Allendale. He was amazing. He just taught himself in, in prison how to um, how to draw. And he could just, he would just pencil draw you just beautifully. And it was just amazing. Yeah, just while you're sitting there and um, with no formal training at all. And, um, you know, e- even, I think even lifers get out sometimes. They do. Um, they get out. Um, and they're changed. They're different. Um, you know, I would love to see our parole board take a little more active role in our, our prisoners when parole time comes up. We have a guy now who's been trying to get paroled for a while in, in one of our prisons. He's an amazing guy. He's just completely turned his life around. The family of his victim, ha- they have forgiven each other. They've written a letter on his behalf. And it's just, sometimes I don't think, maybe I shouldn't say this, but I just, from years ago when I was working in it, I felt like I wanted them to take a more interest in their life and what they had accomplished in prison and what they had done, you know, rather than going, no, no, no. And rather than, sometimes I would hope that people in that place don't look at just what they did, but what they've done. You know, yeah, you know, um, I'm not that same person. I'm different. 
just listen to me. So it's, it's challenging for them, you know. And it's really challenging on the outside, if you can imagine. So you normally um, are shipped back to your place of origin of where it happened. Maybe you have no family. Maybe you don't. You don't have any family there. Maybe you do. Maybe they don't want to see you. From where you were charged. Yes. Yes. Okay. I mean, you you know, and now, thank goodness that Fresh Start has opened up and Delancey Street. A lot of the judges will just tell you that's where you're going. So it's really, really good. You know, our goal with Fresh Start and Delancey Street is one day we won't need our mini prisons. You know, that they'll just start closing because we're, we're rehabbing, we're restoring people, we're, we're letting them know there's more to life. And Turning Leaf, too, she's got amazing results over there. Every now and then she'll, one of hers will, you know, mess up, but that happens. Desba Payment Solutions provides point-of-sale systems to local and nationwide businesses. Desba's mission is to educate and provide choices in point-of-sale systems to match your business needs. We listen and help to find exactly what you're looking for and at the best pricing possible. Desba's Payment Solutions is proud to be a woman-owned business and passionate about making a difference in the community. Desba was founded by Linda Hancock in 2003 and has built a reputation around the Charleston area as a competent, hardworking, and beneficial business partner. How many people have you Working worked with, with Desba personally? benefits everyone, not just um, your business. You know, just one-on-one? One. a company with community uh, Well, maybe in the prisons, um, you know, it was kind of a group class. We would have like 20 people in a class, but we'd have me and another facilitator and you know, um, and then once, one time we had a great big room where lots of the classes came together at Lieber. And, um, and then once with Lieber, I got one of our, um, I forgot about this. He's a jazz musician here. And um, I think it was when we were running and we were able to scoot up there, but um, it was called um, something, Jailbreak or something, some jazz name. And um, it was really great that, you know, there's a lot of talent in our prisons. A lot of talent sometimes. And um, so I don't think this guy's doing it anymore. I think he moved away or it, they ended up having a lockdown or something happened at Libra. I can't remember. But um, we would have concerts up there and then the guy would go back. And uh, we got to go one or twice. And then the guy would go back who was spearheading it, Steve. And he would bring instruments so they could play, you know. And it was really... It was really, really sweet. So you keep in touch with a few folks that... I, I keep in touch. Well, you know, um, I haven't been inside the prison probably in about four years now, maybe probably four years, five years. Uh, um, I've, I'm very close to Delancey Street, and um, but they, they kind of operate on their own. You know, I'm just a, an ear or go visit or go play ping pong with them or, you know... Um, they're, um, they're busy, but they're good. They're great. And I, I just think that it's the odds are so stacked against you if you don't have a mentor coming out of prison. And that's I what mean, you've been volunteering as? Yeah, just a mentor. I mean, it was a little different role inside the prisons, but Delancey Street does not go in the prisons. We pick people up from prison, and we do all our work at our house because you don't leave. You, you're 
you don't visit your family. You, you know, they have a real strict regime. You live with us. All your needs are, all your needs are cared for while you're there. Everything. You need to go to the dentist, whatever. But um, Fresh Start works inside the prisons. So you can really get that life of, um, you know, it's, it's a different life, you know. Fresh Start is more like establishing like a stable contact while you're while you're in prison and then on the outside if you're really doing great and have committed to the program you can live with us for a year or two most of them don't have to stay that long because they can work we have jobs lined up for them um builder jobs all kind of jobs tim's just done such a great job and um it's 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 amazing our biggest thing with fresh start right now is we need more space Gotcha. And that's mainly resources for men, though, you said. Yeah, it's just men, too. When, we, Like I said, we have to go to North Carolina. To, there's a Delancey Street in Wilmington, maybe, but if they're not full, we will recommend a woman go there. But I could, we could, see, I mean, I would love to see one here for women, you know, that could come here and or Delancey Street for women, or Fresh Start for women. Um, it's challenging. There's no place for women. So anyone that's... Now, I think Turning Leaf can take, I think, majority of her, pay, her clients are men. But, um, but that's not a live-in situation. You know, Turning Leaf, you're kind of on probation or something, and you're out, you're working, you're doing her program, you're living at home or wherever. Yeah, it's not residential, but it's, um, it does more for me than I do for them. It's it's amazing. It's it's a it's a huge reward for me to work with um, ex offenders. You know they are the main one main thing I try to teach them is you can't look back because everybody's going to look back for you. You know everybody's going to remember what you did. Every time you go work work for somebody or you fill out a paperwork or whatever. And um, you cannot be stuck in that place. You have got to move forward. So we really help them move forward. It sounds a lot like, like a, it must be like a family <clears throat> mantra of looking forward. Cause like I've in interviewing your husband a bunch, it's always about looking forward. And absolutely. And is, that, is that pretty fair to say? It's pretty fair to say, you know, we, we say it a lot in our house, keep mo- moving forward or keep looking forward or, you know, stuff happens. People fall. We're, we live in an imperfect world. We're all imperfect. You know, you just, how, how well can you get up and keep moving, you know? So, you know, everything happens. I mean, who gets up every day and knows exactly how their day is going to go? <laughs> Not many of us, you know. Um, John and myself just trying to, John got me the warehouse, but through a client of his when he was in a real estate business. But, um, I just started getting people to donate and volunteer, and then it just got way more than I could handle. I don't have a car. I didn't want to pick up furniture. You know, it was heavy. And so anyway, this great bunch of people have taken it over, and it's called the um, Home to Homeless, Hope, Home, Hope to Home, something like that, warehouse. And it's still operating, and we set people up. We go through 180 and the Navigation Center and other referrals. From You have to be from a referral to us, but... They outfit the whole house. It's amazing. We get a lot of um, hotels here who remodel. We get most of their furniture, and I say thank you to our hotels. I mean, they've been rock stars in giving us furniture, bedding, linens, towels, you name it, when they when they remodel. I wouldn't even think of 
of that when you see when they remodel. Yeah, they have nice furniture and it's clean, you know, because um, we want to give people that are starting over clean, nice furniture. We don't want to give them a couch that your dog and cat has tore up and you need to put it by the road. But um, this company, they, they do great. So that was one need that we saw found a solution and it's just running beautiful today. It's nice to birth something and then give it away. Mm-hmm. You know, just kind of like what women do. We birth and we we give our kids roots and then we give it away. You know, and men participate in that too, but most of the women do the birthing, you know. <laughs> so this is that how you see your role in Charleston is you know, um I see my role as, I mean, I'm a volunteer. I heard somebody um, sent me a radio clipping the other day of a radio show that the guy started out saying, there's no role of a first lady here. There's never been the role of a first lady in 44 years. (laughs) I was listening to it and I said, "Mm." it's a volunteer position. You know, and you know, when, um, when the attacks come like that, it just makes me want to dig down harder and do a better job than I've already done for four years or five years or get to know somebody else, you know? Um, Because I hope when I leave this job that whoever else is the first woman or the first man or the first partner or whoever is really welcomed because it hasn't been that way for me, you know? And, um, you know, I had my name put on the back of John's cards because it was easy because in the beginning I was just writing my name down all the time. Well, call me. We'll talk about this. I'm, I'll hook you up with somebody. And kind of being in the in the grassroots movement before we got elected, I feel like I knew a lot of people. But after I got elected, I really knew I didn't know a lot of people. There were a lot of people I needed to meet and do. And I feel like one of my roles, and I'm just a, I'm a pretty good connector. I can kind of connect you to wherever you need to go or somebody in the city. And that's one reason I really enjoy and go into city council meetings. It's not to control, it's to listen and learn and know about people's problems because I, and I feel like the business card thing was just, we are open and accessible to whoever needs to call us. You know, one thing I wanted to talk to you about, like, it was crazy. In the middle, you know, right leading up to the stretch of the campaign, oh, yeah. the election. And, yeah. Um, you were kind of in a spot because of that audit and investigation or that look into it <laughs> where you couldn't say anything. Exactly. And I know John had advocated on your behalf in his role, but mm-hmm. like, what was it like sitting and listening? And that was hours and hours of and hours and meetings, like meeting mm-hmm. after meeting after meeting on that. Like how, what did that feel like? It was really hard. You know, there were many times I really wanted to go to the microphone and speak, you know, just like, wow. And I knew that that wasn't my season to do that probably, but, um, you know, it was, um, it was nothing but availability to your constituents. Um, they were very threatened by that. It's, I've used that card a lot in the mayor's conferences, you know, just to share my name with other spouses or men's spouses or women's spouses or Pete Buttigieg's partner. You know, it's just, hey, let's brainstorm on that. I mean, people, you know, um, I know it's a bigger city. I've gotten to meet the First Lady of New York. She's an amazing woman. She has a staff. I mean, she has people, you know, and I know that our city doesn't, and I'm not advocating for that at all, but it could easily be that way here. You know, our city is is bigger. It's not the same as it was 44 years ago. And, um, you know, um, it's 
you know, at one point in time during that, I remember someone even said, I think this is one of the times I wanted to get up. Well, you probably even go home and talk to her at night. Well, literally, that is what married people do and partners do in life. <laughs> they, they talk about things. They, you know, they don't, they can be very confidential and they can talk, they share. So that was a very awkward moment for me to sit there and not to say, what are you talking about? Especially, like, coming at things as, like, a team mentality. Yeah, I mean, we did that, and and they all knew that, too. I mean, it was hard to, for me, for that to be a political tactic, you know, to, um, but it's, you know, the part that I get was they never had that for so long, and it was all the OGs, the old guard, um, except one person, Um, but you know, I mean, even, you know, Harry was the one that started this. And, you know, I welcomed him to city council and gave him my card. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not something that I hide. I should have brought some. <laughs> but, um, you know, it's, um, you know, I mean, here, here we here we are. Call us if you need us. We say it constantly. And I, I thought it was a very clever thing to do. I really didn't think about the $40 for four times I ordered them when this happened. I really didn't think about that, but I ended up paying $40. But it was um, quite bizarre. I mean, was it an attack on a woman? Was it what women deal with every day in the marketplace? I don't know. Was it strictly political, trying to hurt him? Probably, you know, but it was um, pretty petty. You feel like you've kind of broken the mold for. for I hope so. I hope so. I will tell you that somebody told me the other day. They said, "Wow, give me those business cards any day compared to what's happening, you know, now in our city." And I said, "Really? Right? I agree." But um, I mean, I've had other first women at in the in the mayor's conferences do the same thing. They've loved the idea because I hand it out when I go places. I mean, I hand out hundreds and hundreds of them. And um, they just love the idea. And I said, well, do it. It's fine. And somebody gave me the idea and handed me her card and her husband was on the back. I just, you know, it's not uncommon to do this in America, you know, when, when you're kind of things as a partnership, you know, for some reason I felt during all that, that I felt like I was such a threat to them and I didn't understand how I could be a threat to them. So, that was probably one of the questions I probably couldn't get answered. And it kind of relates to women voting to me. Are women a threat? Why is it so hard? Why, was, why is it so hard to um, even today, you know, why was it hard 100 years ago to allow women to vote? I feel like we're, we've been a threat. Are you scared of us? Well, they probably should be, some of them, you know. <laughs> so I don't know. It's just... Women are, um, we, we love people. We're, we're nurturers. We're, we're, we're builders. We're, you know, it's, um, we just want the playing field to be level. Mm -hmm. Um, what would you like to see for women in Charleston? (sighs) Or advice that you'd give to. I would like to see, um, 
I would like to see women on more boards. I would like to see women on our council. I would like to see women on commissions. And I know that our mayor currently works at that. We both have a saying when we're serving or looking at something for people is who's missing. We say that a lot to each other. Who's missing? You know, who's not on this list? Who's not on this list? Who's not on this list? And I think that I would love for Um, corporations and businesses around here, the giants in Charleston, to kind of adopt that same thing. Who's missing? You know, it's um, diversity. I mean, if you're a big ice cream lover, you probably like all the flavors, you know. I love ice cream, and I love most of the flavors. But I just think that, you know, people come in all different flavors, and we need to embrace that in America, in our city. And, you know, we, we, have, we have felt all along since that year that we took off, we felt like, and, and John wrote a song, I don't know if you ever heard it, it's called Wake Up Holy City, when we were running the first time. I'll send it to you. And um, we just felt like we were called to provide healing to our city and heal our city. We didn't really know. And it's been hard. It's been very hard. And a lot... You know, and I don't think it's supposed to be easy. I think it's supposed to be hard. And um, I don't think if you, you never want to be mayor of a city if you don't want it to be challenging and hard. And yeah, sometimes these hard days lately we've had, I mean, we've had some rough days and it's hard, but there's, there's got to be, there's got to be an opportunity in all of it. You got to look for that. John's the type of person too, and I am too. You got to look for that opportunity and even the bad. What are um, some ambitions that you have? I mean, you have a, bit, a pretty busy schedule already, but are there things? That well, you know, things have really calmed down. Oh my gosh. Even, even for the mayor, I mean, our schedule, even speaking schedules and all, I mean, we're just, you're zooming it and it just doesn't feel the same. You know, it's, it, it, was, it doesn't feel the same, but, um, you know, um, affordable housing is a really big thing of mine, and I know we're doing some great stuff. We've, um, we're just doing some great stuff on that. We don't get a lot of credit for that sometimes, but we're doing great things on, on We have our first-time house, first-time home buyers that's been around the city for a long time, but I know, I probably know five or six people who have told me they've gotten a house through that, and it makes my heart sore because our housing is expensive here, our rent is expensive here. Um, you know, our housing authority has just gone to RAD, and, um, and it, they're going to be able to get some, hopefully, federal dollars and re-renovate our housing, which is some of the oldest in the country. I think um, Boston is older than our city housing, and they're trying to revamp theirs now, you know, and I would love for that to be, our city housing to be a very diverse group of population, one day where maybe people on the top floor have market rent and, you know, and it's just not just, you know, low income. It's just all kind of people live there and you learn, you love and you have gardens and, you know, I would love to see more city gardens, um, you know, um, people, community gardens. The one on Sycamore is awesome. They have a big one on the Crosstown that they do. Um, Greenheart is opening. John gave them some land over on the north central area over there. I love to see community gardens. Anything that brings people together in our community, I think is good in our city. Um, so obviously, um, 
you know, hopefully we're going to, in the next year or two, we're going to find a permanent home for our navigation center. We're in a stretch of land that's going to be renovated. And um, so that will be a really good day when that gets a permanent home and we can really, I would love to see the navigation center at the bottom and then supportive housing above apartments. That's our goal. I hope that we get to see that because it would be very cool. I went to tour one in Atlanta that is like that. It's amazing. And their services are amazing. So um, those are some of my interests um, in the future, you know, and, and just to help. I, I'm, I'm a soft place for my husband to land. I try to listen. I try to be available. Um, it's, it's a hard job. And um, so unfortunately, maybe, you know, I feel like I've been a little controversial in the, in the community with some people or a counsel for him, like maybe if I would have been under the radar and, and had my own career, and which I did, but I sold it when he ran, maybe it, they wouldn't have just one less attack, you know. But I don't think it does anything for women coming behind me, you know, for first partners or first husbands or first wives. I, I Like I said in the beginning, I hope that my role of being active and involved um, leaves a legacy for other people, we will welcome you, you know, and be able to introduce the next person who who fills my shoes and say, here's our office, here's so-and-so, and she's awesome at helping you. And, you know, because that didn't happen for me. You know, I had to figure it all out on my own other than with John. And um, it would have been nice for somebody to have done that, you know, just. So that first city council meeting won't go the same way that it went for you? No, not at all. I think we would just be so excited and bring you in. You know, I just walked in, kind of meek, mild, trying to find my seat, you know, and like, you know, and then I was greeted by, listen, we got this. You can go home now. And I was like, wow, what did that mean? You know, and, but it's, it's part of the deal that I've discovered. But anyway, go women, right? A hundred years, yeah. August 18th. And, um, and maybe the next hundred, um, We'll look back, you know, people, I think that people 50 years from now or 100 years from now are going to look back and say, man, were they messed up, you know, know, I can't even believe it was an issue or the Amendment Act that's on the books now that Lewis was trying, didn't live to see it pass. I hope they pass it in his honor, but it's like, wow, why were they like that, you know, which just happens. You have to grow. In some areas, I think for for dis- disenfranchised people, mm-hmm. Latinos, Native Americans, some African Americans. Um, I mean, I look at, what was it last year, the governor of Georgia. I mean, just purging, before he was governor, purging people off the rolls because they haven't voted in a while. It should never matter. You know, I think that, um, I think voting should, you should be able to register online, especially right now. I think California just passed that. Um, I just feel like South Carolina should be technology up to date on stuff like this. You can get your license. You can do lots of stuff online. So register to line, you know, vote online, vote online, register online, you know, vote by mail. Who cares? We should just be happy. You know, in a lot of the European countries, they vote on Saturday and Sundays. We take a Tuesday, get our kids to school, go to work, pick them up. There's a long line. You know, we make it hard. Why? Why? That's my big question. Why do we make it hard? So in 50, 100 years, you're hoping... Gosh, it won't even be an issue. To look back, it'll be 
and just kind of giggle. Yeah, that was really weird of them, wasn't it? You know, and we've made lots of progress. I mean, we've made lots of progress. Some of it's been very difficult and hard, but it always is. But, you know, like you said, you just keep moving forward. And not looking back. You're welcome. At the Post and Courier, we can cover a national story in a way that reporters who come in from New York or D.C. or Atlanta simply cannot. We've lived in the community, we have contacts in the community, we've raised children here, own houses here. We can bring a perspective that somebody coming in from outside simply cannot. When stories come up, we know who to contact to find out what's going on. We understand the impact that it has on people who live here because we live here as well. That's why the local perspective that we provide is so important. We the Women is a special series of the Post and Courier in celebration of the 100th anniversary of the ratification of the 19th Amendment. To enjoy all 19 interviews, visit postandcourier.com backslash we the women.